unemployment, debt, student loans, bankruptcy, foreclosure, bills. All these are burdens that have skyrocketed since COVID. And why financial burden isn't exactly a sexy topic, it is one of the leading causes of stress. So to ignore it, guys, would only be a disservice to our future selves. So today, I'd actually like to arm us. And what better person to bring on than the general? A woman who fought the fight. After the crash in 2008, she lost her teaching job, was a victim of credit card scam, leaving her $35,000 in debt, then went into foreclosure as her six-year relationship ended all forcing her to move back in with her parents and sleep on her middle school bed at the age of 30. Now, she may have lost the fight, but she didn't lose the war. She faced the struggle head on and returned victorious. Now an award-winning teacher of financial education, speaker, and a number one best-selling author and creator of The Budgetista, she is here not only to arm us with very specific tactics and tools to get our finances thriving, but just as importantly, guys, just as importantly, to help us build the emotional resilience we need to face the shame, guilt, and possible embarrassment that emerges from having money problems. America's favorite financial educator, Tiffany Alice. Welcome to the show, honey. Hi, Lisa, how are you? Good, so excited to have you on. And looking at your story, I definitely want to start with addressing how you felt when you found yourself in your high school bed um, at your parents' house. Because for me, when I first started Quest Nutrition, there was no guarantee it was going to succeed. And so we literally took off our small finances that we had at the time and we cut that into a third. And I read all the books. I got all the, you know, the spreadsheets. I believe education is power. So I started educating myself on it. But no one had prepared me for the emotional roller coaster I was about to go on. The shame that sometimes I felt when a friend would ask me to Starbucks and I didn't have two bucks to, to go with them and, and buy a coffee. And so I'd have to say no. The embarrassment of, um, I can't afford to do certain things that my friends could. All of these, um, elements were actually the thing that I personally found the hardest to deal with. And so your story is so freaking mind blowing. The fact that you went from that to where you are now is so incredible. So can you talk to me about that moment where you found yourself living in your parents' house? You had had already this financial background. You already given financial um, expertise to your friends and, and, you know, people around you. And then you find yourself with zero money on your parents' couch. Where do you even start? What is that first emotional step? So I, at that time, I felt hopeless and I felt... It was just like a flood of overwhelm. I distinctly remember because I was just turning 30 and and I remember like sitting on the bed. I can even like imagine myself there now. And like this wave hit me like the last time I remember sitting on this bed, I probably was like, you know, 16. And I remember thinking, where was I at 16? And I used to babysit. I used to have summer jobs. And I remember thinking I had more money at 15, 16 years old than I do now at 30. And it was such a, a wave of shame and hopelessness and helplessness that I was like, wow. Because 30 to me, and I think for many people, it signifies like true adulthood. Like you're an adult adult, right? Oh, 30, 30, flirty, 30. And here I was like, wow, teenage Tiffany was better than this. 
So I honestly, I just, it was a pity party and I was beating myself up. And the thing I had to first do was I had to forgive myself, but I wasn't able to on my own because I didn't even recognize that that's what I needed to do. I remember my, my best friend Linda had been calling me for months and months and months and I was avoiding her calls and not wanting to go out with friends because I didn't want that their friend who they knew as like the go-to girl for money was, was struggling. And um, Linda called me and she said, no, you're gonna talk to me. What's the problem? What's the matter? You don't hang out. You don't pick up your phone, you know, and I was going to pretend like I had been pretending and I couldn't. It's like my my mask cracked and I just started crying on the phone. And I told her, Lynn, I, I lost my job. You know, me and, and my boyfriend at the time, Mike broke up. Um, I, I lost my home. I lost everything. I have nothing, you know, like I'm broke. And she started laughing and I'm like, I failed to see what's so funny. And she was like... <laughs> And she was like, uh, welcome to the real world. Tiffany, literally all of us have been broke for years. You have been the only one that has been on financial track. And she was like, honestly, it's a recession. And almost all of us have lost our jobs. We've all struggled with our finances. Okay, and? And I don't know why I was so focused on me that I didn't see that what happened to me was not something that was unique to me. And it gave me the permission that I needed to forgive myself, to say, Tiffany, making financial mistakes is not an indictment of your character. Making financial mistakes does not mean you're a terrible person. Making financial mistakes does not mean that you are a mistake. It makes you human. Okay, and. And that's when I decided, okay, Tiffany, forgive yourself. Girl, you didn't kick anybody's puppy. You didn't, you didn't, <laughs> oh, you didn't burn anyone's house down. You made some financial mistakes. And once I released and I forgave myself and released that shame, Lisa, it just, it allowed me to see solutions. So shame shades solutions. When you're in the shame, you cannot see the solutions that are in front of you. And all of a sudden that I was no longer ashamed because I told someone my deep, dark secret and she'd laughed and said, okay, so what? All of a sudden I could see solutions in front of me and I could see that, you know what, I might not have much, but I am on unemployment. All of a sudden I could see like a little light, you know, and with I'm, I'm home. So I'm not homeless. I'm not hungry. You know, my unemployment is not enough to cover my mortgage, but it can cover these things. So all of a sudden I started putting one foot in front of the other and started working towards solutions. But first and foremost, it was to forgive myself. Um, and in so doing, being able to see the solutions. That is so strong um, because we build things up in our own head and it becomes this like just ginormous thing that we think people are going to never talk to us again, think that we're useless, think that we're pointless. Like it probably was the best thing that your friend just laughed. Yes. Yes, because there's so my parents were born and raised in Nigeria. And so every lesson we learn, it comes with like a parable. And my dad would say, fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. So like in my head, I'm like outside of my secret, the wolf with this huge, massive wolf with like huge teeth and growling and angry. And I open the door. It's this little baby wolf that's like, you know, like, you know, and you're just like, wait. So the thing that you're so afraid of, you built it up in your head and you open it and it's a one or two out of the scale of 20 that you've given it. And so what I love is that that was a lesson that I've been able to take with me, you know, into where I am now over and over and over again. There have been moments when fear has threatened to to suffocate any dream that I might have. 
And I've had to like tap into, remember the last time you were deeply afraid mm-hmm. and on the other side, how was it, Tiffany? Was it as bad? No, I need you to push on through. Mm-hmm. And I've done so. And never, ever, ever has the thing that I've been in my head afraid of been bigger than the actual thing itself. So that was like a lesson I needed to learn early on because there are bigger and bigger wolves to slay. And I've been slaying them ever since. Hell yeah, girl. I love that so much. Um, Did you ever find in those situations that you had other people passing judgment on you? And then if so, how did you actually handle it? Because those are the judgments that can stop people, I think, in making those that progress that they're looking for. Absolutely. Because sometimes the judgment honestly comes from people who love you most because their judgment comes from fear. So my dad, very traditional. And he was like, Tiffany, you know, why don't you go back and, and, and get a job? Why don't you work here and here? And something in me, there was literally this fire in me that says, no, I'm meant for bigger, greater, better. And then, you know, of course, your parents are like safety, safety, security. And inside it was bigger, greater, better. And there was there was a class there. And I I ended up moving from my parents' house and I moved in with my sister and slept on her couch for a year so I could work on the bigger, greater, better outside of the gaze of security, safety, safety, because I knew that my parents meant well, but it really... It, it just was not in alignment with what I knew inside to be true. And so what I learned was that there were certain people that were on a need to know basis and sometimes they didn't need to know. Right. So they didn't know that I was sleeping on my sister's couch. They just thought I moved out and I got a place. You know, they didn't know the first couple of years I had no money. So it wasn't until I started to do better that I would let them in on, on some things because yes, were there friends who... When I started the budget nista that were condescending, like budget nista, that sounds like a dumb idea. Budget nista, there's nothing you can really do with that. So those people I locked out completely because there's judgment from a place of someone wanting to make you feel ashamed. And sometimes there's judgment from a place of someone else's fear. And so I can understand why my parents felt that way. But those folks who were supposed to be my friend, who I knew were just judging me because maybe all this time they had been waiting for me not to do well. And now here I was. So those people are no longer here. But I had to learn that either way, that I wasn't there to share my full vision with everyone. So that way I could, I would not get distracted. And I really shared my vision with folks who were going to encourage me along the way. Like my sisters used to go to every single workshop. I used to, I remember one workshop I had, it was at a library in New York. I was so excited. They hired me to speak and I get there and I'm like, yes, okay, there's a security guard and there's one little old lady. And that was literally <laughs> I mean, they had flyers everywhere. Come see the budget needs to speak. The security guard was like, oh no, I'm just here to lock up when you're done. I was like, okay. And the little old lady was already sitting in that room and she just asked me, can I just stay? This is where I usually do my work. And I was like, so I did, I did my presentation for the security guard and the little old lady and my sisters came. And so you look for your cheering squad that is gonna support you no matter what. And so whatever that looks like in your life, it's your best friend, it's your significant other, you know, maybe it's your your former um, work buddy, your coworker, maybe it's someone from a social club, maybe it's a social media group, because oftentimes we don't have physical people in front of us, but you need support. You need someone to help you feel accountable You need someone to encourage you. And you also need people to normalize the process. Mm -hmm. That's what you need, especially in the beginning and and making sure that you you provide that support like for yourself internally as well. Yeah. 
actually that brings me to discussing about how our mindsets on money are actually developed in the first place and from the people that I speak to in my own experience it's parents it's what you see it's what you see every day it's how you see your parents act when you're younger um but then taking that even a step further when we think about just only what is it two generations ago you know um, our grandparents were in the great depression so just from our grandparents to us life has changed so dramatically but the lessons that are passed on may not have updated if you will um so let's talk to me about that and how we identify our mindset that has been um, told to us and how we can identify whether it's actually a worthwhile mindset or not so i was fortunate in that i actually did grow with this great financial mindset and then at 26 years old I met a friend of mine who I thought was independently wealthy. You know how in your 20s, you think that the way something looks is actually the way it is? Like, ooh, nice car, nice apartment, you must be rich. Now when you're old enough, you realize that means nothing. (laughs) So I didn't know like any of those things. And so I told him I wanted to learn to invest. And he said, pull money off your credit cards and we'll invest that. So I pulled the money off my credit cards, which is called the cash advance, and he stole it. And then there I was, went from zero credit card debt to $35,000 in credit card debt in like three days. All of a sudden I was like, what happened? So it was that. And then a year later, the recession hit and I lost my job. So all of a sudden I went from no debt to this credit card debt and now no income. And so there was so much shame and fear wrapped in all those, all those mistakes that I've made that I just, I, it shifted the way I looked at money, money, which I was no, was not afraid of before all of a sudden became this deep seated fear and shame. And it was crazy because it was like, like you said, I didn't grow up with that. But if you're someone who's inherited those, those negative money messages, first things first, you have to hear like, what is it that you're actually saying? So I had to learn to be like, when I say something about money to stop and acknowledge, what am I really saying? Because you can't shift anything unless you first acknowledge what's actually happening here. I'm speaking about money with shame. I'm speaking about money with fear. I'm speaking about money with anger. What is that that's coming up? And then after like noticing that and saying, okay, I'm going to listen to it, stop. Listen to it, stop. Then I learned to say, okay, so instead of saying, because words are very powerful, Mm -hmm. you can create or destroy your whole world with words, right? So then I said, okay, now that I acknowledge that most of my money messages that I'm saying out loud are based in fear, what can I say instead of I don't have it? So instead I started to say things like, um, Tiffany, you want to go out to dinner? Ooh, well, right now I'm, I'm saving toward, you know, um, purchasing, I, I self-published one of my books, purchasing um, my books or, but you guys can totally come over after dinner and we can hang out. And I remember in particular, a friend of mine that always asked me to go to brunch and I was never able to go. And she called me, you know, every Sunday anyway, bless her heart. And she said, Hey, Tiffany, I know you never want to go to brunch because you're so cheap, but I'm going to invite you anyway. And I said, I, I live in New Jersey, but I was like, I can't because I'm actually in um, New Mexico right now, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is the hot air balloon capital of the world. And on my bucket list was to ride in a hot air balloon. And I'm actually getting into one right now. And I can't because the captain said we have to turn off our phones. And she was like, wait, you were just in New Jersey like two days ago. When did you go there? I said, all that brunch money that I've been that I've been saying no to, I've been putting it toward this yes. And it was like light bulb. 
that I stop saying no to I can't do a thing, that instead, Tiffany, you want to go br- to brunch? Uh, right now I'm saying yes to Albuquerque and riding in a hot air balloon. Uh, I would, but I'm saying yes to Morocco in a few months. Uh, but I would, but I'm saying yes to Paris. I started to use the correct language You know that would motivate me is that I'm saying yes to the thing that I really want, not no to the thing that you want. Yeah. And when you said words matter, like repeating that to yourself just reinforces why you're doing it. And I think detracts you from thinking about, oh my God, I'm going to miss out to look how amazing and exciting this can be. Um, I love that. And I actually started to do that with some of my friends back in the day because um, I started to feel really badly about myself that I was saying no to all these outings. I had serious FOMO because I was like, I, you know, you'd hear all the stories about when they went out. And I started to realize that I'm playing a long game. My goal isn't going to happen overnight. And so if I'm playing a long game, what does that long game look like? I don't know how quickly the, you know, I'm going to be successful. Obviously you have to believe that you're going to be successful, but I didn't know how long it was going to take. So I was like, if this is a five, 10, 20 year journey, I cannot feel like this every single day. So in order for me not to feel like this every day, I have to do something about it because I'm not going to destroy my dream by giving up and saying, screw it, let's just go get a Starbucks. That doesn't serve your dream. But at the same time, I couldn't emotionally stay where I was. So I actually started to tell them, speak out aloud what I was doing. So I was like, guys, because we're starting this company right now, I actually don't have the finances. And so I would say, "Um, how do you guys feel if I brought my own coffee? Like, does that embarrass Mm -hmm. anyone? And they're like, oh my God, no, we just want to hang out with you. So So then they would understand. I would bring my own coffee. But for me to say that out loud and tell my friends, I think you actually, you know, um, said it earlier. It's like you start to realize who really is there for you as a strength. Because what's going to happen is like, there's no freaking guarantee, even with success. Now, there's no guarantee. There's not going to be many, many roadblocks along the way. Right. So you want to know in those moments who's actually going to be there for you when you find it difficult. So, yeah, because in their mind, Tiffany's living less of a life at first. And then I started to show them that, no, I'm living less of the life you have for yourself and more of the life I desire. Some of you, some of us are living someone else's idea of more. Like my friend who loved to go to brunch, she's a true foodie. She loved different places and she liked picking them out. That is literally what makes her happy. So literally I was taking my money to live out her idea of more. And, and it wasn't, she wasn't doing it to be, you know, mean or anything like that. It was just like, hey, I enjoyed this. And I realized, but Tiffany, you know, brunch wasn't that big of a deal to me. So I'm like, so why am I using my money for her more? I want to use my money for my more. And I came up with, I actually wear these uh, these bracelets. People always ask me why. And they, they on them are my four reminders of the questions I have to ask myself before I spend any money, right? I ask myself, mm-hmm. do I need it? Do I love it? Do I like it? Do I want it? Needs are easy, food, shelter, clothing, water, the things that you must have to be healthy and to be safe. That comes first, first priority. Second priority are your money should go towards your loves. So your loves are this. I always say, if you had, say, Oprah's bank account, right? What would you do? What would you do more of? You know something is your love. If you can think, if I spend my money in this way, a year, two years, three years, four from four years from now, I still feel joy about that thing that I spent the money on. So like I can literally see Morocco in my mind's eye and smell the spices. It was amazing. India, I went to the Holy Festival where they're throwing the colored, the colored powder on you. 
amazing. So that was years ago. And I still feel that joy. That's how you know those are your loves. Things that are going to have long sustaining joy long after that thing has passed. Likes give you joy, but temporarily. So in the moment, it feels joyful. But a year from now, you're likely going to forget, you know, and wants are things that don't even really bring you that much joy. They're kind of money wasters, right? They're just kind of like, eh, I guess. And so I ask myself when I'm spending money, is this a need? Take care of that first. People sometimes skip over their loves because sometimes they can be a little bit more expensive. You might have to save for them and they skip right right to likes, which is that temporary joy. And they do themselves a disservice because if you cut back on some of your likes, back on some of those temporary quick fixes, you would actually have more money for the things that actually bring you long lasting joy. And so once you start to understand that, do I need it? Do I love it? Or do I just like it? Do I just want it? And so less likes and wants, more needs and love. And that's just a full life when it comes to your money. To me, it's not about money, right? Money is merely a tool. It's a facilitator. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like a hammer. My dad would Mm -hmm. say, you take this hammer, that this is your money. You can use that hammer to build your financial house. That same hammer can be used to destroy your financial house. It's you that decides. The hammer is literally in your hands. You get to decide. Money's not good or bad. You decide to build or destroy with it. And I realized that I was going to take take control and I was going to build with my money and use it as one of the tools that I use to access my joy. It is not the only tool and not even the most important tool, but one of the tools to access your joy. Yeah, I mean, God, just even if people are, if people are listening to this on podcast, like I do beg you go over to YouTube and see her face when she just said that. Like when you were talking about Morocco and traveling and all of that, you had so much light, you know, you would just look so happy. So what I want to ask you is, you said that you lost your job teaching. Everyone thinks like teaching is like probably the safest job out there and because of the crash, yes. you lost it. Um, and in those moments, you said you got comfortable. So you're actually glad that that happened. But the yes. problem is so many people stay in that comfort zone. The amount of people that I know that are in their 40s and say that they're waiting to retire. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I don't even like to let waste one day, let alone mm. wait for 20 years. So mm-hmm. for you... Because you you got let go of your job because of the economy, you were forced to look at your situation. You yep. were forced to get out of that comfort zone, which then led to what you do now and the beauty and happiness that was on your face when you talked about traveling. <laughs> so my question is, how do we, if someone's listening to this right now, how do they break loose of that safety, that comfort in order to get to that beautiful happiness that you are talking about that you have mm-hmm. experienced? No, you're absolutely right, Lisa. I I call it that most people live right here at the surface, just hovering just above, never picking their heads up to see their sky and clouds and stars. And I was fortunate and that there was a jolt, right? Right. So many of us have that. So there's a jolt, a loss of job, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend leaves, something that's like, oh, and when that jolt happens, you can decide to be like, oh, let me, let me. Let me write the ship and I'm going to go back to this surface level living. Or you can decide, this is my moment. This is my moment to break free. And that's how I felt. I was like, I'm running. I'm never coming back. Even though I love teaching the babies because I taught preschool, um, I knew that there was something different out there for me, something um, more fulfilling, you know, that I, and I didn't know that I was still going to teach, but I just knew that there was something different, you know? And here's the thing. If you know any children, they live with that fullness. You ever see like a three and four year old play? 
Like, it'll be like a stick. Like, I watch my niece and my nephew, they're three and four, and they come over, and literally, it's a puddle and a stick, and they're just stirring and <laughs> just like, <laughs> you know, It's like a cauldron, like, and they're doing spells, <laughs> and it's a stick exactly. and a puddle. So what that is, is that literally what that means is that that fire is in you already. You don't actually have to look outside yourself. There are things that you have suppressed for so long that you have covered, that you have pushed down because you had told yourself that it's no, you can't experience that level of joy. No, you can't access that level, that level of fulfillment. And so what you're going to do is you're going to have to look inward and ask yourself, you know, like, what did I want to be when I was 10? How did I feel when I was 21? What was that thing? You have to access it. If you kept journals, look, look back at old pictures and re-remind yourself of what was the thing that you just knew was going to, like, we all had this feeling like we're going to live this amazing life. What did that look like for you? I remember when I used to teach, I, I, I lived in New Jersey and, um, and I live now in Newark and Newark has this airport international airport. But when I didn't live in Newark, I was a teacher and I would drive to Newark every day to teach. And one of the ways I would start to access that next level life for myself is I would tell myself as I was looking at the sky and seeing the the planes fly overhead in Newark, I would tell myself one day I'm going to be coming to Newark regularly because I'm getting on that plane. And then I would even pretend I'm driving to work, but no, 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 I'm not driving to work. I'm driving to the airport because I'm going to go to this amazing place and I'm going to see these amazing things. So I was visualizing those things, even though I was still working as a teacher and lo and behold, a few years later, I was coming to Newark every week to get on a plane to travel for the budget Nista or to travel to some beautiful country. And I'm like, I remember it hit me one day, like, wait, I'm... I'm actually driving to Newark for the thing I used to pretend I was driving to Newark for. So visualization is so powerful. You know, unearth that dream that you've been scared to say, you know, become your three, four, five, 10, 20 year old self that would say, when I grow up, I'm going to be whatever that looks like. Start visualizing. What does that life look like? What does that life look like? Does it look like travel? Does it look like more time off? Does it look like spending time with the kids? Does it look like taking care of your parents? What does that like look like? And start visualizing it and then start writing it down. Mm. Honestly, there's something about feeling the thing, seeing the thing, saying the thing, writing the thing, using all of your senses to bring that thing closer to you because you're gonna have to do the work, but it starts internally first. So I used to write, I have notebooks that used to say one day, which sounds crazy because I was making nothing, One day I'm going to make $300,000 a month. I wrote a check to myself. One day I'm going to make $10,000 for one client. And then I wrote, once that happened, I was like, one day I'm going to make $100,000 in one month. One day I'm going to make a a million dollars in a year. Done. One day I'm going to make $10 million in a year. Just hit that this year. So feeling the thing, unearthing the thing, seeing the thing, saying the thing, writing the thing, and then you begin to do the thing. And the key is when you're working on doing the thing is that you have to understand it is not your job to see the whole way there. It is not your job to do that. I live in New Jersey. And if I wanted to drive to California, imagine if I told myself, oh, I would drive to California, but when I get in the car, my headlights don't shine all the way to California. I can't see all the steps. So I'm just going to sit on the couch. We wouldn't do that because that's not how cars work. How do cars work? You get in the car, you turn it on. You turn on the headlights and the headlights shine like what, 60, 100 feet in front of you, right? That's all you can see. All you can see is the next 
best step. And what happens, Lisa, right? When we close up that next best step, what happens when you close that gap? The next hundred feet is shown, right? And you're like, oh, that's the next best step after that. Then you close that gap and the next hundred feet is shown. So what happens is as you start to get moving, then all of a sudden the steps start to reveal themselves and then all of a sudden you find yourself that you started off in New Jersey and now you're in California. And that's where I am now. I am in my California. I went from 10 years ago losing literally everything except my 99 Toyota Camry. And that's all I had to my name because I bought it for like $3,000 when I was in my 20s. I had this little broken down car and nothing else. No retirement account, no savings, no home, no boo. I had nothing. I went from that 10 years ago to Tiffany, the budget needs to now, someone who's been on TV, someone who was happily married for the last three years. I just celebrated my anniversary with amazing, my amazing husband, somebody who has an eight figure year business and a, a second seven figure year business, someone who was happy and joyful and has traveled to over 30 different countries. How do you go from that to that in like 10 years? The next best step. You're not meant to see all the steps all the way through. You are meant to take action on the next best step. And the next step after that will be revealed after you take that action. No, that was so freaking fire. And the, the big part and what I love is you had two, um, not even competing ideas, but two notions. You gotta know where you need to go. You gotta know, hey, I wanna end up in California because you can't just get in the car, shine your headlights and hope that it takes you somewhere, right? You have to have what that end destination looks like, but know that your, your analogy of the headlights is so freaking awesome. I've never heard of it before. That is amazing. It made it so clear, I think, for people to digest in thinking like, but how am I gonna get there? Because it's so easy for people to look now and maybe not even know your past and go, well, it's okay for her, right? Like, look at how she talks. She knows her shit, like all of this stuff. But the freaking truth is, where did you start? And there's a gap. What's that gap? It's 10 years. Okay, what happened in those 10 years? Guys, if you're watching or listening, she's literally telling you what happened in those 10 years. So, um, and it isn't all just tactical. And that's kind of where we started from, right? It, it becomes about... Do you believe in yourself? Do you have the willingness to be open to look when you're wrong? Do you have the willingness to look at the hard thing, to see where you're inadequate, to see where you're not capable, to see where your skill set lacks? And are yeah. you able to look at that without denting your self-esteem and yeah. then move forward? If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 
86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I'm, I'm Lisa, I'm so glad that you said that because I finally figured that out where I can acknowledge Tiffany, you did a thing that wasn't right without saying, Tiffany, that makes you bad. Yes. Because so many of us yes. tie that like, you know, so like I might make a decision in business. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, that was not the right choice. Mm-hmm. But I now can be like, so I have a, a, a team. It's like 25 of us, mostly women. And so now I can be like, oh, you know, guys, remember that decision I made last week? Yeah, totally the wrong one. But I internally don't internalize that and I don't use it to harm myself. Yeah. Because I see the decision separate than I see myself. Those are two separate things. I, I made a choice. Choice didn't work out, making a new one. But it took a long time to get there. And it took 10 years, honestly, to get here. But remember where I started to learn that 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 decision or learning that that tactic was from Linda, right? I when Linda told me, so you've made financial mm-hmm. mistakes, but you're still my best friend Tiffany, who I love. Girl, two separate things. You know, so it was like I started to learn that lesson there that I have to separate that because if you don't, then you are never going to be better because you are going to use every mistake as a tool with which to suppress yourself and to suppress your joy. And how how can how can you how can you move forward from that place? It's just it's just not helpful. So one a lesson I learned so my mom and dad they're both awesome, but my dad is the fuster and my mom, not so much. So when I was a kid, if you spilled milk, my dad would be like, oh my goodness, you're spilling milk. We don't have milk money. There's five of you, you know? So like, just like, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, dad, you know? And then he would go and get you a paper towel and you would clean it up. My mom, you spilled milk. She would go directly to the paper towel, get it and give it to you. So I remember being like, so I'm very much like my dad, like um, naturally something happens and my natural inclination is to fuss about it. Oh my goodness, Tiffany, what have you done again? Tiffany, you know, you. Mm-mm. so I said, Tiffany, we're going to practice being a paper towel person like mommy, right? That when something happens, you're going to say, oh, a thing happened, paper towel, because what happens, Lisa, after the fussing? 
You go get a paper towel anyway. <laughs> so why don't we just get straight to the solution? Solution oriented, solution focused. So I work, cause that's not my natural nature. I'm more like my dad, right? So I work hard on being a solution oriented person. I am a paper towel person. A thing happens, we go to the solution. All the stuff in between just elongates the time that it takes for you to get the solution. So mm-mm. I, I, I hear you about the financial mistakes that you've made. I hear you about the way you weren't responsible with money. I hear you about the mistakes you're currently making. I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, and I hear I'm here to say, okay, and go get a paper towel. Mm. Go get a paper towel. We have to clean it up anyway. So forgiveness of yourself. We are harder on ourselves than anyone else. You whenever you have that self-speak, I want you to ask yourself, if my friend spoke to me the way I, I spoke to myself in my head, would we would I be friends with her? Never. Like, right? Would I be friends with someone who's like, look at you, Tiffany, always messing up. Look at you. I would be like, what? Who are you talking to? I'd want to fight her. So, But then why do you talk to yourself that way? Yeah. Are you not worth it for someone to, you need to be, you need to cherish yourself. You, if you only knew what a miracle you were. So to be totally candid, like my husband and I have been trying to have a baby for, for two years and we've been doing IVF and we've just been having trouble. But the thing that IVF has taught me is that because in order for a woman to have a baby and bring a baby to to come to, to full birth, there has to be a literally a million yeses in a row. Because if it's Tuesday and not Wednesday and the sun is too light, the sun is too dark, you had coffee instead of tea. You know, you went to the bathroom at this time instead of this time. If the egg is a little to the right, the sperm is a little bit to the left. Everything has to be yes, yes, yes. So you have to understand you are a literal miracle A million yeses brought you here. How dare you think that something is wrong with you? Because if something was wrong with you, one no, and you wouldn't be here. Our lives are precious and and living in our truth and our joy is our birthright and and not living in our truth and our joy. You know, you, you, I don't want you to squander, you know, what you've been given. You are a million yeses. Continue to say yes to yourself. Well, I've never heard that. You're a million yeses. That's so powerful and it's so true. And I used to absolutely have that negative voice that's, you know, um, oh my God, you're a failure. And then I started to just switch it and go, yeah, Lisa, you did fail, but you're not a failure. And so like, even just in the tone that I said it, right, I, I just like, yeah, you failed. So it's like, even saying it is like, yeah, not a big deal, but you're not a failure. Like they're so different and we equate failing with being a failure instead of it being a lesson. You know, we always talk about like kids, right? Babies, they get up, they go to try and do their first step, they fall on their face. Well, do you think they go, well, forget that then, right? <laughs> no, there's no ego attached. They freaking go, they get back up, they get back up, they get back up. So um, I absolutely love that. And then um, going to the thing that you were saying about the lesson with the paper towel that you learned from your parents, Um, That's such a powerful lesson. And so when I started to read your story and to read that you um, helped put into action a bill in New Jersey, is that right? So please talk to me about that. And then I want to talk about your book because then that leads me to what I love so much about where you're um, putting now your time and attention is with the youngsters in order Mm -hmm. to help them when they grow older. So yeah, first talk to me, tell me about the bill and then talk to me about the book. 
Sure. So it's actually a law now. So woot woot. That's <laughs> so, amazing. Thank you. So what happened? Um, I used to teach classes for this United for the United Way, which is a nonprofit that's worldwide. But there's there are chapters everywhere. And so the United Way of Greater Newark, I used to teach classes. And a woman at the time, her name was Angela. We became friends because she came to my class. Then she ran for assemblywoman of her of her city, well, of her state, the state of New Jersey, and her her district is uh, Jersey City. So when she won, first thing she did was came to me and said, "Hey, Tiffany, I won my seat, and I want to affect education in a positive way. And I took your class years ago; it was amazing. I still am learning from it. I wanna. We should do something about financial education and kids." And I said, "New Jersey already has a law in place for high school, which is awesome, but really, it needs to start earlier. It needs to start." as young as as preschool, kindergarten, and also into middle school. So we wrote this this bill together, we sat down, um, and we started to write this bill. And so it took three years, but this budget needs to bill, that's what we call it. Um, it's, it became law in January, 2019. So all middle school students in the state of New Jersey, now it's mandatory for them to have financial education integrated into their classroom and in, in their educational day. Now, at the time, I remember because I went to the law signing, it was awesome, right? So at the time, I it didn't really hit me that, you know, like I knew that I'd written this law and we helped to get it passed, but I was just like, oh, okay. Until a friend of mine, Rihanna, she's she lives around the corner from me and her daughter, Olivia, is in middle school. And so one day I was at Rihanna's house and um, she said, Auntie Tiffany, this is what Olivia calls me. She's, I said, yes. Yeah. She said, can you help me with my homework? I said, sure. So I'm helping her with her homework. And I was like, you guys are learning about money in school. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, you guys are learning about money in school. So I was like, I know that I was like, here Olivia was because the law went into effect and it was like right away that September with the new school year, they were learning. She was doing this homework because of what I did. It was like full circle. I mean, when I say I'm getting goosebumps. You're giving me goosebumps, girl. I'm like losing my mind here. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, Olivia is going to be changed as a result of something that her auntie Tiffany did. And I just like, she just, you know, of course she's looking at me like, are you going to help me with my homework? But I was, (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to be like, tell your teacher this is because of my law. You know, she's like, okay. (laughs) Girl, like what, what does that do to you emotionally? Like, do you hold on to that? Like every time that you're feeling, you know, like it's a tough day, like that is so freaking powerful. And like, when I talk about global impact, girl, that is next freaking level because it's not just... Tiffany, you know, um, you, you've, you've passed this law and now kids are learning it. It's think about that girl when she's older. Think about when she's 20. Think about the friends that she talks to and tells the information that may not have had that education. Think about when she, you know, gets together and has a partner. Like if, if she can teach them and then her kids, like that is a zero to one moment. Uh, and honestly, it just, like I said, it was one of those things that sometimes you can normalize the things that you do. And then life is like forces you to stop and say, no, it's a big deal, Tiffany, because I'm really good at being like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to No, this is a big deal moment. And it forced me in that moment because it was like, I, I'm going to force you to acknowledge it through Olivia right now. And so it's moments like that, that I'm forced to acknowledge Tiffany, because I've learned not to let bad things penetrate. And say, Tiffany, like, you know, to your point, Lisa, I, I fail, but I'm not a failure. But sometimes in an effort to do that, I forget to learn to let good things penetrate. Right. 
you know? That's because so you messy. The wall, the wall keeps out the, the bad, but also keeps out the good. So like sometimes moments in life will force, will pierce that veil and say, no, we're coming in, Tiffany. This is a great thing and it is good. And it is a testament to who you are and how you are. I want you to soak that up. I want you to revel in it and say, this is a good thing. And it is a testament to your character. It's a testament to your integrity, you know? And so that's hard for me, you know, to like, to accept that. But when those things happen, it, it forces my hand because they're really, they're undeniable. You know, I knew from a long time, like that I wanted to live a life of service. And so, you know, now, you know, teaching women for the last 10 years, financial education, I said, I'm going to come back for the babies because that's my foundation preschool. You know, I, I taught for over 10 years and I really wanted to create a book that was, um, representative of like wh- who I was and how I was. I'm going to show you because I, I know everybody can see if you're on your watching, listening on the podcast. Yeah, see it. Music. How adorable is she? Oh my right? God. <laughs> so this is what I look like when I was her age. Like the Michael Jackson Afros. And then she's super chocolate like me. I was chunky as a kid. And so I really wanted a character that looked like me, yeah. you know, because I never got to see myself on book covers. And then too, I, when I used to teach what I call pre-financial education lessons to my babies, that's my preschoolers, right? That I realized it's not about, Hey, this is a dollar. It was the foundational financial education lessons, giving service, right? Um, sharing, donating. So in this book, it's Molly's birthday. It's called happy birthday, Molly Moore, and it's her birthday. And, um, at first she's super excited, but as presents start coming to the door, she starts to switch her excitement from family and friends coming over to the presents. And you see it like in her face at first, it's like, yay, aunt, uncle, wait, presents, presents, presents. And there's a rhyme that goes in the book. Each time a new guest comes to the door, more says Molly, more, more, more. And she says that over and over so much so that there's so many presents, no one can sit So they go outside to hang out and she's alone with her cake, with her candles by herself. And she realizes what does more truly mean? And she decides that because she gets duplicate presents to donate some of them. And she realizes that more really is family, friends, birthday wishes, hugs, kisses. And so you get an opportunity with your little one to talk about giving, about service, about what does more really mean? What is really more important? And in the back of the book, because I am the consummate teacher, I actually have extend the lesson questions and activities. So I'm just really proud of it. And um, I want that when I'm not here any longer, that my legacy truly is education. Mm-hmm. That through education, you know, my dad taught us every time we graduated that that is the one thing no one can take from you. Knowledge once given can never be retracted, never. And so I know if I teach you how to budget, it might not sink in this year, but three years from now, when you're trying to figure out how to make enough money and budget money for your kids, something's going to kick in. And so education is really, it's like, I, that's my love language. That's how I love on the people that I serve through teaching them. Because I know that if I teach you, no one can take that away. And so that's why I'm just so happy and and proud of that book, Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. And I just feel in my heart of hearts that something major and big is going to happen with it. And can I share where people can get it? Because I'm I'm sure people might ask. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely be putting links in the the, um, comments, but absolutely. That's easy. Just her name. M-A-L-I-M-O-R-E. So mollymore.com. You can, and some people ask me, is it for boys and girls? Girls, absolutely. Ages three to seven. But if you, you might have an 11 year old that might enjoy it. But um, yeah, it's one of the things I'm most proudest of. There are, there are like those pivotal moments that you're proud of. And this is absolutely one of them. 
Girl, that is so powerful. It is absolutely where my heart lies as well. And what I love also, apart from the fact that you're just teaching the younger generation, you're also teaching them that it's okay to talk about finance. It's okay to talk about more, to talk about abundance, to talk about earnings, right? Like, and I think that's a big thing of where a lot of people, myself, I used to be, is caught up in talking about it. I was brought up, you never talk about money ever. And so I was so uncomfortable anytime, and, and now here I am doing a whole episode on finance, right? <laughs> but it was like, I was taught, you don't talk about money. It's rude. You never ask people anything and it's disrespectful. And so I was always very quiet, which meant that I wasn't asking. And if I wasn't asking, I wasn't getting more knowledgeable. And going back to this book is you're allowing the kids to be knowledgeable and create a foundation like you were saying where they can now talk about it and so i think that it actually may allow parents to read the book to their kids and then become open to talk about it yeah and that's what i wanted i wanted that dialogue between child and parent because that's how i grew up that we normalized the money conversation it wasn't disrespectful it wasn't rude it wasn't scary It was matter of fact. And so I wanted not just for the book to be really great for kids, but that's why I added that resource in the back. Like, and here's some extend the lesson questions you can ask your kid. Here's some activities because so many parents don't teach something because they don't quite understand it themselves. Right. And so I was like, don't worry about it. I got you, parent. I got you, guardian. I got you, teacher. I got you, grandma, auntie, uncle. At the back of this book, you can extend the lesson. You don't have to wonder. I tell you exactly what to say, how to say it, you know, because if we can normalize talking to three and four-year-olds about money, then you have 14-year-olds who are not scared to talk about money. Then you have 24-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds. You see, like... That type of that type of knowledge and normalization will start to permeate throughout their life. And that is my goal, that we use money as a tool, that same hammer to destroy ourselves oftentimes, to make us feel less than, to overindulge. We use money in so many destructive ways. But if we can start to normalize different ways of talking about money in this positive way, we can offset that and give people the tools that they need to use that hammer, to use that money, to help build this amazing, joyful, just like service-based life. Freaking love that girl. And like you were saying at the beginning, right, where we were talking about fear and, you know, shame and things like that, I think it really does come full circle in the sense of, um, you know, fear, I think, stems and anxiety stems from the unknown. And so by, you know, actually learning about it, like you were saying, educating yourself about it, no one can take that away from you. And the more you know, I do really believe the less you fear because there's less unknown out there. And so taking that first step, if anyone's listening or watching, whether they're desperate to take that first step and they they desperately want to have that transformation like you have right in those 10 years to say this happened and then this happened step one is breaking that fear and i do believe knowledge is power like you were saying and so learning is such an important tool um i know you have courses so where can people go if they want to learn more about what you teach and we didn't even get i can talk to you for so long like (laughs) i've got so many things to talk to you about like your noodle budget and your one week budget like you've got so many amazing tools um but where can people go and actually dive in themselves and actually start to learn this stuff so yes if you're i believe financial education in its basic form should be free so i offer it for free i have a bunch of free courses they're email courses you can go to live richer challenge.com i call them my live richer challenges there's like five or six of them right now so it's just foundational financial education basically it's molly Moore but for adults right 
And then if you're like, you know what? I'm good on the basics. I know how to budget. I know how to save. I want to start a business. I want to start working on estate planning. I want to learn how to side hustle. You know, I want to learn how to do my own taxes. Um, I want to learn how to get a student loan debt and take my credit to the next level. If you're looking for the next level, I do have an online school and it's called the Live Richer Academy. It's a low monthly fee to join. There's over 40,000 students in, in our class already and our classes already. We have classes every week. They're awesome with these amazing experts. So when I wanted to take myself from six figures to seven figures to eight figures, the teachers that are in this academy, these are the teachers that I leaned into to, to take my business and my life and my net worth to the next level. And so you can learn more and, and join the Literature Academy at join. LRA.com. That's a special link that I created for you, Lisa. So that way people can nice. get, uh, I think it's 40% off right now. Oh, so, damn. <laughs> join LRA.com. And when I tell you I am living the exact life that has been set aside for me, and I know everyone can't say that, and that I, I just am. I was created and made to teach. I know that through and through and through. And Every day, I just try to be obedient to that purpose, that calling that has been set aside for me. And I know that I will always find joy as long as I'm in alignment with what my calling is, you know? And so as a result, I just, I, I people think I'm crazy because I give so much away for free and discount this and discount that. And you can't run a business that way. I'm like, well, seven figures a month says I can. I was going to say, <laughs> um, yeah, I beg to differ. Your yes. bank statements beg to differ. <laughs> Yes. And so, and I love that. I love that mm -hmm. I've learned how to do good work yeah. and help good people and make a good money that you can do all three. That's amazing, girl. You are a freaking superhero. Um, what is your superpower though? I've got a few in my head, but I'm so curious to know <laughs> what you will say. So I think my superpower is my energy. Yo, I am like, oh, <laughs> that's very I, true, I, but I didn't see that coming. Yes. And honestly, I didn't know that until I heard my sister telling my other sister, like, yo, Tiffany's superpower, literally she said that, Tiffany's superpower is her energy. When she's excited about a thing, when she's energized about a thing, oh, watch out, it's happening. And I was like, you know what? You're right, that is my superpower, my energy. Once I feel 100% in a thing, oh, it is absolutely happening. So yeah, my energy. Friggin' amazing girl. And I know where people can find the book, but where can people find you personally and follow you? So I'm the budget nista everywhere. I'm the budget nista on. I don't TikTok, though I do have the budget nista on TikTok. Um, <laughs> Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. I'm the budget nista and thebudgetnista.com for everything that I talked about today. Oh, guys, 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 go check out this woman. Her website is amazing and what she's given away for free is so freaking awesome. Really, really, really do go dive deep. If any issue that you need, whether it's you or your kids, she's got the answers. Go check her out. If you're not following me, guys, follow me at Lisa Billu. And if this episode brought you value, please do share, drop in the comments, let us know what hit you, what was valuable. And until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.